great north woods that had surrounded my childhood home of St. Andrew, but was not, or a crumbling castle that I might have visited during my never-ending travels, but had not, or a dilapidated mansion with broken plaster walls and ruined woodwork that could have been one of the houses I'd lived in during my long, circuitous life, but was not. Strangely familiar, familiarly strange, these settings that tried to embrace me and push me away at the same time. The dream that struck me as too strange to be simply the normal functioning of the unconscious mind started abruptly in a new setting, a dark, narrow passage whose walls were made of huge stone blocks. Those walls gave the impression that I was in a solidly made old fortress. From the cold dampness of the stone and the tang of mildew in the air, I assumed the passage was underground. It went on and on, turning and turning again, twisting in on itself like a maze. What's more, the passage was disconcertingly narrow. A normal-sized person wouldn't have been able to fit, and small as I am, I could barely squeeze through. I hurried along as quickly as I could, desperate to get out of the claustrophobic space. Finally, I came to a door. It seemed to be as broad as it was tall, and somewhat crudely made, its heavy wooden planks held together with metal straps. The wood stain had yellowed with time and almost glowed beckoningly in the darkness, but up close the lovely patina gave way to a frenzy of scratches, as though the door had been attacked by frantic, clawed animals. Although this subterranean room was likely used for storage, or perhaps as a wine cellar, the knot in my stomach told me that probably wasn't the case. I knew from other dreams on other nights what I would find behind the door. Something bad awaited me, and I didn't want to go on. I wanted to wake up, to break the dream's horrible spell, but once I'd entered the dream world, I was locked in, doomed to play out the dream to its end. I opened the door. Air rushed at me, damp and foul, the way air smells and feels when it has been shut up underground. There was very little light, and I could see only a few feet in front of me. I sensed movement in the darkness ahead and went toward it. You might even say that I went toward it because of what was waiting for me, something I was helpless to resist under any circumstances. The first thing I saw were his hands, a man's hands wearing heavy iron manacles. Then I saw his arms, drawn overhead by a chain attached to the manacles. There were nights in my dreams when the man had been forced to dangle at the end of his chain. And let me tell you, that was a horrible sight. Tendons strained to the snapping point, his arms wrenched from their sockets. Tonight he had been allowed to stand, though his feet could barely touch the ground. Even though I couldn't see the man's face, I knew who it was. I could tell by the broad shoulders and the long torso, the elegant natural arch to the small of his back. All I could see of his face was a cheekbone and part of his jaw, visible through a tangle of disheveled black hair. But that, too, was enough. It was Jonathan, stripped naked and bound in chains. Every one of the dreams, regardless of where it was set or how it started, always ended the same way, with Jonathan being tortured and punished by someone I couldn't see for reasons I wasn't told. As he hung from his manacles, he reminded me of St. Sebastian, his flesh pale and his head tilted sideways, 
as though nobly resigned to his fate, ready to endure whatever punishment awaited him. There were bruises on his otherwise perfect body, a bloom of red and purple on one hip, a darker, larger one running the length of his right flank. His upper back bore cross-hatched scrapes. He gleamed from head to toe with sweat and was flecked with grime. Needless to say, seeing him like this was a punch to the gut and made me violently ill. It also repulsed me to realize that despite his brutalized condition, I still found him beautiful, because it was impossible for him not to be. I called his name, but he couldn't hear me. It was as though we were in two separate rooms and I was looking at him through soundproof glass. It was then that I realized his wounds weren't healing instantly as they had when he was immortal, the same as I. And this meant he was again made of flesh and blood.